After each section, I will say, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come. Please respond with, your will be done. Heavenly Father, as we move into the season of Advent and prepare to celebrate the coming of Jesus, our Savior, we pray for the church worldwide and our churches locally, including our own church, that events, services, and carol singing will draw people in to hear the real message of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, and that this will not be debased and drowned out by the voice of consumerism. We pray for inspiration for our leaders and staff here at St. Saviour's as they prepare their Christmas messages. In this season when it's so easy to be distracted by busyness, help us to focus on you and prepare ourselves in faith for the wonder of Jesus' coming. We pray that as a church and individually, we will find ways to share your love and serve you in the community during this time. <clears throat> we thank you and pray for all those involved in Operation Christmas Child. We pray that they will reach their targets and that the container shipments will get through and the boxes will bring the love of Jesus to needy children of the world. Bless all those adults and children who have lovingly filled the boxes and all those who are working to get them away. Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray for those suffering and fearful as a result of actual or threatened terrorist activity in Paris, Brussels, Egypt, Beirut, and Mali. Those whose faith has been shaken by unemployment, disability, loss, and illness, and who are in need of healing. In a few moments of silence, please name those on the service sheet or those known to you who are in such need. Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Heavenly Father, we lift to you our world leaders. These are fragile times, and we pray that the unstable political situation between Russia and Turkey will not escalate. We pray especially for our prime minister and government leaders this coming week as they decide whether to commit to airstrikes in Syria. Help them to make a just, wise, and measured decision that is not motivated by revenge, and in full recognition that we ourselves have been culpable for our actions in the past. We pray that the situation will not be exacerbated by their decision and lead to greater loss of life. We look to Archbishop Justin Welby and church leaders for guidance 
Give them your wisdom and the courage to speak out. Heavenly Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. As we look at the mess and brokenness of this world, we cry out to you, our Heavenly Father. Give us faith to see that you are working your purposes out. We pray especially for Burundi with the risk of further ethnic conflict, for an end to the religious conflict in the Central African Republic, and for an end to the war in Syria, a war that drags on with terrible devastation and suffering and the mass migration of its people. In these complicated situations, we pray <clears throat> for a just peace and for initiatives in these areas to be well thought through and seen as urgent. We pray for Christians under the threat of Islamic State fighters, both within and outside Syria, that they will have the hope of a new beginning amid the horrors they and their children have endured and witnessed. As the waves of refugees make their way to Europe, and as this continues with winter setting in, we pray that the governments and aid agencies in Turkey and EU border countries will be compassionate and effective in helping them. Father, as we stare in the face of militant Islamic extremism and acknowledge our fear, we pray as the Lord Jesus commanded us that these who would be our enemies will will change. We pray that they will be repulsed by their actions and that this will lead them to call into question their beliefs and find a place in their hearts for repentance and love. We thank you for the encouragement of events and personal stories coming from the Middle East where ISIL atrocities are having this effect on the fighters and members of the population. And we pray for the protection of agencies like SAT-7 that are instrumental in bringing the message of the gospel to a largely closed part of the world. Finally, as refugees move into our local communities, four families arriving in Guildford in early December, 12 in Woking, we pray that they will feel welcome and that we will see their presence as an opportunity rather than a threat. We pray that the borough councils will be able to balance meeting their needs with the needs of our most vulnerable people for housing, services, and employment. Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Merciful Father, Accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. There'll be a short video following this.
Kathleen, thank you so much indeed. The prayers of the patriarchs of old, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, still speak into the turmoil and the suffering of this present age. Though I am nothing but dust and ashes, prayed Abraham, I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord. Let us too, as a continuing act of prayerful intercession, speak silently to the Lord in our hearts as we watch this video. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? If I find 50 righteous people, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I'm nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, I will not destroy them. What if only 40 are found there? For the sake of 40, I will not do it. May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if 30 can be found there? I will not do it if I find 30 there. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Lord, not 100, or 50, or 10, but millions of people in this region seek your face and will never forsake you. Don't give up on us. Lord, for the sake of the remaining, have mercy. We have three readings this morning from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9, which is on page 185 of the Pew Bibles, and in the New Testament from Romans 3, verses 21 to 26, on page 1130, and the Gospel from Luke 7, verses 1 to 10, on page 1035. 
starting with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now from Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now from Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Saint Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
On uh, behalf of all of us, actually, I think I'd like to thank Paul and Simon for his reading and Kathleen for their prayers this morning. I think carefully, thoughtfully, prayerfully, they have taken us to an important place, a place of honesty and, of open, and the openness of faith. Um, I, I feel actually the uh, way my colleagues have drawn together this, this morning has been uh, uh, remarkable and really helpful to us. Uh, with that in mind, I'm going to scrap my notes and speak more briefly and, um, and I, hopefully to the point. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this season of the year. We thank you for this opportunity to be open and to reflect upon your coming into our world in Christ, continually in our human affairs and in our lives, and eventually to come to bring all things to conclusion in justice and righteousness. As we try to navigate this complex season, Father, will you be gracious to us, grant us faith and hope to do it with you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is, Advent and Christmas, I think, are always a complex season to navigate well. They are for me, anyway. And I think this year is perhaps particularly like that. Um, to navigate, to travel well in the, uh, the invitation of, of Advent, to travel in faith and hope of God's coming in Christ and of his saving purpose in the world. But we do it alongside so many things that actually cause us to take a deep breath and reflect on where Christian faith places us. Kathleen referred to many of these aspects in, in her prayers, the issue of further and extended bombings in Syria, the, uh, the, the turmoil and ache of the Middle East captured in that Sat7 video. Choices in our own country uh, over economic choices around benefits and welfare and who, what are the priorities in our society. The arrival of refugees in small numbers but nonetheless uh, coming into our communities. A climate change conference opening at the moment which is of huge importance globally. And you and I, as tiny little fragments of humanity, are trying to navigate our way safely to Christmas through this. And our subject today is colossal also. It is about faith and faith as a gift. Faith as a gift. That in itself is a further challenge, I think, in a way, because I think we all struggle with... Um, living by and in faith. Do you know some of those things you can see on Facebook that tell you what kind of animal you are or there are some which tell you what kind of Bible figure you are? Uh, I usually end up as Doubting Thomas. Um, and I acknowledge that. 
Uh, I would like to be missionary Andrew, um, and maybe, maybe I, a little bit of that is there too. Um, but I, I don't know where you end up on those kind of things, but doubting Thomas is, is Andy Wheeler, really. And to navigate my way through life, trying to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to live by and in faith is something I find deeply challenging. And actually sustaining uh, a ministry in public here at St. Saviour's in the midst of that kind of journey is, 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 is costly and has, has its, its challenges. But the other side of... There is... When we talk about faith as a gift, there is something about that that is actually quite, quite challenging, sort of why am I not, in a sense, more secure in my grasp of what it is to live by faith in God? The other side of that is actually a blessing because in the end, if it is a gift from God, it says to us very, very plainly, actually, it's not your own achievement. Actually, it's not something you drum up. It's not something you uh, sort of engineer within yourself. And it's certainly not something that one person can claim some kind of superiority over another. It is given to the whole community. It's given to us all collectively. And we all share in the, the blessings of faith uh, that uh, we possess together and how it works out in our community. The Bible talks about faith in several different ways. At least three, which are, I think are helpful to understand. The first we might say is when we talk about the faith, when we talk about what as Christians we hold as the uh, essential content of belief in God and belief in Jesus Christ, Christ. It's why we say the creeds and it's why we should say them often, far more often than we do. The Old Testament has various versions of that. The, one of the characteristic features of the faith in the Jewish and Christian tradition is that it is the rehearsing of a story. It is the telling over and over again of the story of God's graciousness and his saving power and his saving acts in history. Um, the Psalms are full of that, the rehearsing of the story. Our creeds, especially the Apostles' Creed, is in a simple way a rehearsing of the story of Jesus. And the faith that we hold is the constant narrating of God's saving acts in history in the Old Testament and in the New. It is also a summarizing of Christian truth. It is also a distillation of the essential things that hold Christian faith together in its integrity. And our creeds and our scriptures um, have many examples of that. So, uh, St. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 15 where he's rehearsed what he received as a rather latecomer to, to Christian faith. What he received and um, just uh, which, uh, he says which you received, we have all received, on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved. What I received I passed on to you. So that in when we talk about faith in a Christian understanding, there is that sense of the faith, that distillation of story and of truth that we hand on from generation to generation and which we rehearse when we meet because that story and that distillation of truth 
hold us to the things that are key and true and core. So there's one use of the word faith. And for those of us who are uh, seasoned doubters, I, I think that's a really helpful foundation and anchor. I, my desire is not... My desire is that I might be faithful in my life as a disciple of Jesus Christ to what I have received in terms of story and truth. The second use of the word faith is perhaps particularly characteristic of Paul, and we might call it saving faith, and it is the distinctive way in which Paul speaks about how we enter into the salvation that God has won for us, that Christ has won for us on the cross through his death and through his resurrection. And faith is that distinctive Christian act of the commitment of the whole self to Jesus Christ in response to what he has done. So there is another dimension to Christian faith. It is not only that uh, objective statement of story and truth, but it is also the giving of ourselves to the one who is the heart of that story. It is the response of faith and personal commitment to Christ, the one who has won salvation for us on the cross. And that Romans passage, which we, we read, uh, is worth visiting again, just highlighting the, the places in which by faith, or the word faith occurs there, because Paul is at pains constantly to say, this is how you enter into this life. This is how you make it your own. It is by faith, and by that he means that decisive commitment of, of yourself. Uh, to Christ, to, to live for him. And the third, so much more could be said about all of these, but the third is perhaps the one that we're focusing a little bit more on today, and that is faith in the faithfulness of God. We've spoken about that a number of times in, in recent weeks. Um, we, one week we were looking, well, it was Remembrance Sunday actually, we were looking at the story of Habakkuk, uh, his prophecy, and that deeply challenging and very relevant uh, little book helps us see how in the midst of all kinds of turmoil it is possible nonetheless to stay with your eye firmly on the God who will be faithful through it all even though the olive trees the, don't bear fruit even though there are no sheep in the, in the fields etc you remember the passage nonetheless I will celebrate I will triumph in, in God and on another occasion, we looked at the fiery furnace and the, and the men who uh, survived that in an extraordinary way. But we looked at their opening testimony that uh, even uh, our God is able to deliver us and we believe he can and will. But even if he does not, uh, we will live by faith in him and we will not bow down to false idols and false gods. So much more that could be said uh, about that, we need to also have communion this morning. So I'll move there in just a mo just a moment. But I think what I would want to say to you this morning is just this: that this season before us is a wonderful season. It's really, really to be treasured. At its heart are wonderful themes and wonderful truths. It is also a perilous season to navigate well. At least I find it so. And I think this morning I would just like you to pause, recognize that living the journey of faith 
living as a disciple of Jesus Christ is something we all find profoundly challenging. They're all, we are all different and we have different ways in which we find it challenging. I'd like you to live out your faith in these three ways. I'd like you to live it out by a deep commitment to the Christian story and to, the, and to Christian truth, the things that we summarize uh, in, in creeds and in our articulation constantly of what it is to be a Christian. Secondly, to lay hold again, this is the heart of the Christmas story, of the, the worship and the discipleship and the commitment that is at the heart of Christian faith. Salvation comes as we place our faith decisively in Christ, what he has done. And thirdly, to be willing to walk that courageous way of faith in the faithfulness of God. And that perhaps is where the turmoil and tumult of present events is is particularly challenging for us. And God calls us to be like the men in the furnace who said, uh, even if God doesn't deliver us, even if actually the situation continues pretty dark, we will not bow the knee. Or like Habakkuk saying the same. Or Gideon, perhaps, who addressed in his fear and trembling uh, at the Midianite armies that were sweeping down when uh, God's angel speaks to him as a mighty man of valor, uh, somehow manages to say, I'll step up to that. I'll actually live like that. And it's somehow extraordinary in that story, he steps out of the place of fear and trembling to be what God has called him a mighty man of valor.